Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Terry Scottish Football Podcast. I've just realised straight away, I don't know if this is a, a Patreon or a main show, so I'm, I've been this is, uh, this is the main show. This is the main show. This is a Thursday's episode of the Terry Scottish Football Podcast. Uh, I am Craig Anderson and the voice you heard there was Sean McGuigan. Hello there. Uh, and what we are going to do today is we are going to talk through Scotland's worst 11. So we've had lots of worst 11s over... Um, over the last while, and we decided it'd be a good time to pick kind of definitively the worst 11 for Scotland. Now, we decided to put the parameter on it that it was uh, since 2000, mainly because that's well, it's when I can remember watching Scotland. Uh, Sean can obviously remember back to kind of the 50s. Exactly. But, um, that's right, I knew that was coming. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's the most pathetic, like, telegraph joke. I should, should have just left it. Um, I'd be disappointed if you hadn't, to be fair. Yeah, um, but we will... Hopefully at some point get to do the best 11 as well, because I'm actually looking forward to doing something like that, but I don't know if it's maybe less fun for the listener. Well, but. I mean, you're saying that my... So when this is suggested, well, actually I'd forgotten all about it, so I'm saying when this was suggested, when I've been reminded <laughs> that this is what we're doing, my expectation was, oh, that'll be a good laugh. I'll, I'll have a look at the kind of list of players for 2,000 onwards. Uh, I'll see some names that uh, generate terrible performances in my head. That'll be quite funny, and it'll be a giggle. But the reality was that for two hours I just watched Scotland getting leathered on YouTube. So the expectation versus my initial yeah. thoughts didn't quite marry up. So it wasn't it wasn't the best two hours I've ever spent. And, and to be honest, if, for, for me the challenge was like I, I I think I'm generally quite forgiving of Scotland players. I think like I've usually watched them play at club level and you get that sense of you oh, all right he's he's a good player and then oh, it just didn't quite work out for him at Scotland. So it's it's actually quite challenging because it makes it harder to then go oh I actually he's pish so it's I, you, I found it did, did challenging. Did you apply any rules? Did you apply any rules to it? Um, 
with some exceptions, I tried to pick guys who played like more than once or something, you know, like um so so something like Warren Cummings who got his only cap against Hong Kong in that weird tour that we did, despite him being objectively probably one of the worst players to play for Scotland, even though we won that game four 0 I decided to leave him out and I decided to try and pick guys. I sometimes went for guys who maybe weren't necessarily actually the worst overall, but who seemed to play quite a lot and or every time I saw them in the team, I went, oh shit, like I, I don't <laughs> want to see him anymore. Um, so so that was the main rule I applied. And as with any of these rules that you apply, you can make it up for yourself as you go along to just pick up players that, that are funnier to talk about as well. I, uh, I, I initially thought, right, I'll try and avoid... Uh, one hit wonders. What well, one hit wonders? That sounds like I was. That sounds like we we're going to talk about like the new radicals and this loopy. I, I, I thought I would try and avoid uh, guys that only had one caps, and then it, I kind of slipped into it because I, I tried to. I, I tried to base it on players who not only didn't really leave any positive mark on the Scotland scene, but also had quite poor club careers as well and in, in, in a lot of cases so, so I think I've got a few players that, that only played that only played once and, and probably once once too many yeah so I guess we can just get into what, what formation did you go for with the team I went for a solid 4-4-2 shape I, as did I I thought I thought I could try and go for a Steve, Steve Clark's uh, weird 3-5-2 but actually um, actually it's, it's more 4-4-2 is probably what Scotland have played most of this era or at least some some aspect of it so it, it made made more sense for me and we'll start from what was for me the hardest position on the pitch to pick um, which is goalkeeper um, it was my it, it was, I think it was my second hardest uh, I, I think I think up front I had a number of options but I uh, goalkeeper was probably second hardest so who did you go for Sean? I went for Jordan Archer okay so, so he, you went in the, the, the one hit wonder category who, who surely, surely um, I know he's, he's playing in the Premiership now but I suspect he will not be playing for Scotland again I mean he there's a there is a a, a video of him see, see if you go to YouTube and just type in Jordan Archer mistakes the, the first video that pops up is uh, it's obviously if you're a Millwall fan and it just says as you press play it just says uh, the reason we didn't make the playoffs this season was we dropped too too many points and then the next sentence is because this prick dropped too many balls. And the video, the, the video only lasts about maybe ninety seconds. But it's just Jordan Archer making out of it must be eight or nine really, really bad errors. Now, if Jordan Archer playing poorly means that Millwall don't enjoy any success, then I'm I'm absolutely fine with that. If anything, that puts Jordan Archer up in my estimations. And the thing is as well, if, if you look at his, if you look at his career. He played virtually every game at Millwall over the course of maybe three seasons or so at a reasonable level, like, like League One or, or, or Championship as well, maybe a season for Millwall. But it kind of feels like he's got a bit of the Andy McNeils about him and that like, he obviously has some uh, merits uh, to, to his career. But I, I don't know if he suffers from a, a, a crisis of confidence if things are going quite poorly and he kind of put it behind him and, and, and it, it, it dwells, it dwells at, at, the back of his, at the back of his mind because he's... The amount of times where it would be like a cross coming into the coming into his six yard box and he'd he'd be backpedaling and it would drift over him or he would catch it but then carry it over the line. And and, and in terms of in terms of the Scotland game, so he played against Peru in two thousand and eighteen, I think. Yeah. Uh and, and fairness to me, the first goal was first goal was a penalty and he's not gonna do anything about that. But the second goal it kind of squirmed under him, so he, he could have done better. He could have done better with, with that one as well. But ah, you're right, he's and unless we have 
unless we have 17 goalkeeping call-offs, he's, he's not going to play for us again. I thought, I thought it was kind of telling for Jordan Archer that he's a Scotland international with championship experience in his mid-20s and he's like scrambling about in November trying to say, you know, try signing for Mullerwell. Uh, as kind of cover, um, I I didn't go for him. Now now the thing I, I was saying about it being difficult for for goalkeepers, um, Scott has probably been Scotland's strongest consistently, most consistently strong position over this period. I made it that we played 180 games since 2000, and in 132 of them, we've started with Craig Gordon, David Marshall, or Alan McGregor. None of whom are obviously going to be anywhere near this list. Um, and I think I think there's only been like four competitive games in the last sort of 15 years that one of them hasn't started. So I went for, and, and it's fairly harsh on him, but I went for the guy who was the first choice before those three, which is Rab Douglas. Now, okay. Rab Douglas is not a bad goalkeeper, but he's not at the level that the ones who came after him were, and I think it was kind of glaringly obvious, especially at the end when he was coming to the end of his Scotland career. His last, his last uh, three caps, I think, were the 6-0 defeat in, um, in Amsterdam that obviously got spoken about recently, where he was responsible for a couple of goals. A better goalkeeper would have saved. Yeah. Um, we had the 4-0 defeat in Wales, um, which which basically spelled the end for, for better votes, I think. And then we had um, the 2-0... I may, have, I may have missed a game in between, but I don't think I have. The 2-0 defeat in um, the San Siro in Italy, where he got substituted. And the thing that really annoyed me about him in that game is he picked up an injury and he obviously thought... like it, I, I think the type of character he is, he's quite a kind of, you know, forthright guy and all that, wanted to play on. But then Andrea Pirlo like fires a free kick into the top corner, and he's clearly not fit enough to die for it. Um, and then he had, he had to go off injured, and, and Craig Gordon came on from him. And I think I think from that point the rest is history for the the Scotland squad. So so I did feel a bit harsh on Rab Douglas, but I thought on the, the basis that he got um, nine of those 180 games, as I said 132 for those three good goalkeepers. Rab Douglas was the next most with 19, and I think comparing them to those. He comes up, and, that, and that's not to say there are probably several of the other goalkeepers who've played are worse in terms of objectively how good they are. But the fact that Douglas was first choice in a bunch of competitive games that maybe if uh, we'd had a probably not, but if we'd had a kind of Craig Gordon or Alan McGregor of the mid two thousands in Amsterdam, maybe we would have stuck in a bit longer. Maybe maybe we'd only have lost four now. Exactly, exactly. I, uh, I, I, as you say, it seems quite, it seems quite harsh. I, not necessarily that you've picked him, but I've I've never really forgiven him for that for that six 0 game in Holland because I think he was maybe at fault for three. And I've probably not forgiven him because as much as I thought, right, we we're gonna get leathered tonight, by the time the game had come around, I'd probably had about five pints. So suddenly I was like, Well maybe maybe we can do it. And then no, it was a it was a it was a travesty. And as much as he seemed like a a, a lovely guy that had a long career and a lot of success in it, I I I kind of filtered it down to those ninety minutes and Hate him. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm here. Uh, we didn't want him to hear you saying that, though. <laughs> no, I, I don't hate him, but uh, I, I was furious. I was furious that game. All right, so we're, we're both looking at a, um, a back four in this squad here. So, so we'll start on the right hand side. Two have you got for your right back? Ah, uh, there might be there might be worse right backs that have played for us in the last twenty years, but I went for David McNamee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ended up with four caps, and then then I felt a wee bit harsh because one of them was he played against Japan when we won the Kirin Cup. Yeah, which I, I read an article about that. It just sounded like an extraordinary, an extraordinary, almost like a kind of lads' holiday for the Scotland team, judging by what you're reading on phone at nightclubs at seven o'clock in the morning and, and things like that. But fair enough. 
uh, he also he played against Estonia a one 0 one. He played against Trinidad and we beat them four uh, one. I can't remember. I can't remember his 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 other cup, but I know he was on the bench. Do you remember in Scotland drew in Spain, and I think the game was I think the game was abandoned yeah, in the second yeah. half, and it was one 0 Yeah, I, I think he was on the bench for for that game, but he was just he was a player who who was probably he was no better than decent. But just made the most of the ability that he had. There's probably a few right backs. Maybe Graham Murray could come into that category when it comes to a, a, a Scotland career as well. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. It just. It was never really good enough, I suppose. Yeah, I think that there was that spill where there were like multiple Livingston players in the Scotland squad, which was been. Uh, I mean, votes to be fair to him was picking the best players who were available. Livingston were one of the best teams in Scotland at the time. But there were several players who ultimately weren't good enough for Scotland to get caps over that period. And, and McNamee was, was probably one of those. I think he had a decent career, as you say. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't pick him because, to be honest, I could barely remember um, anything he did for Scotland. Just, I picked. Well, that's just it. He just he done little of note. Um, but, but I don't think being harsh on him, I've, I've picked a player in this squad who has uh, won, where, where have I got? Not in this position, but I've got a player who is, uh, we've won in each of these last eight caps and he still ended up in my team. So don't, don't feel bad about picking him, even though he was in, he was in good teams. Um, but my right back um, in this squad is Morris Ross. Oh, really? Now, now, Morris Ross is an okay Scotland career. I think it's in the same boat. But I just, I just remember him for kind of a couple of things at the end. I, I think he was a player who was ultimately never that good, but got away with it for a lot of effort. Um, and, and you know, and he was a, he was a, um, a hard worker and all of that type of stuff. But he got thirteen caps and we won three. So we we won against Canada, Iceland, and Hong Kong. Sure, I, I refuse to believe that the other ten defeats for sure were purely down to him, though. P- possibly not. But but what he did he did play for what Innocent bought was I think a bit of a. It was that early votes period where okay we got through or we we finished second in that group. But I just remember it collectively from from the campaigns that had gone before even the kind of disappointment you know the the world cup 2002 campaign we were very competitive with good teams and in this squad this group we were very competitive but even the germany team that won that group were not good at all and and that was if memory serves that must be one of the worst groups we've ever been drawn into yes because we had yeah we, darren fletcher had to score that goal with like 10 minutes to go against lithuania at hamden to make sure we finished ahead of them um <laughs> We we dropped points to the Faroes, obviously, and we lost in Lithuania, um, and so it, it just it, it was a collectively a poor team. And it's the fact that Morris Ross got thirteen caps for Scotland in that era just just jumps out to me. He obviously was sent off in Germany in the kind of big game because if we if we got something in that game, we'd actually had a chance of winning that group and actually qualifying directly. Did not did he not try a, a slight tackle that that started about twenty five yards before he eventually connected with a player? Yes, and and it, and it was obviously what well, I think it was his red card that prompted uh, Christian Daly's kind of famous <laughs> famous rant. Um, so so yeah, it's maybe a little bit harsh on him, but as I say, when you have thirteen caps, um, talking that his last cap was that Holland game as well, where we were uh, he came on at half time um, to to change the game ostensibly. He came on for Gary Naismith. Um, we were three 0 down and lost six 0 so it made absolutely no difference. Sure things up, and and this is what I've been saying. I think it is quite hard because you've been harsh on players who. If you said to me what was Morris Ross's Scotland career like, you'd be like, fine, okay. He, he wasn't very good, but he, he, he never did anything awful. But I was looking through the list of right backs and I'm like, there's not someone there who you go, do you know what, he has cost Scotland again and again. It's like the goalkeeping one. I can't remember the last time a Scotland goalkeeper made a, an error in a big game that cost a goal. Like, Rob Douglas. Rob Douglas, exactly. And you're talking about that and that's... 
it's the same for these right backs. We've been fairly lucky in right back up until now. Um, we had Alan Hutton for a long time who had his had his faults, but was was generally quite solid. We had Graham Alexander playing there, guys like that who who always did a good job. And so you have to then look around the fringes of you know who was playing when they weren't fit or who was playing when um, before or after them. Probably up until the last kind of couple of rounds of fixtures, you could have thought about Stephen O'Donnell there, but he, he's shown up well recently. Um, not I, I, had, not... Uh, I, I have massive misgivings, or had massive misgivings about Stephen O'Donnell up until up until recently. But he's, uh, he's he's made me eat my words. The last couple of games, he's been uh, I thought he's been very good. But as you, as you say, that uh, he came into consideration. Right, so we will move to the centre halves, and and I've actually got a pair in that, that played together once in a victory, um, and and kept a clean sheet. But I don't know what you've got. Uh, right, so let me guess what you've got then. Yeah. So I think you have uh, Gary Kenneth, and do you have Danny Wilson? Not Danny Wilson. I did consider him. It's uh, Stephen Caldwell. <laughs> he he almost came into consideration because the time he got sent off against Norway, I was. I, I love it. Absolutely love it. I'm sure it was. Uh, I'm sure it was Gary that got sent off in that game. Oh, was it Gary? Gary got sent off and Stephen got subbed. Right. <laughs> 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 a fine afternoon for the Colts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Okay. I went for. I went for Gary Kenneth, and I went for Jack Henry. Was oh, my yeah. okay. was my my combo. Oh, what a combo! That would, they might work well together though, because uh, Kenneth played. The, Kenneth played his best football alongside uh, Andy Webster when he was kind of a, a ball-playing centre-half, so maybe Henry would bring the best out of him. So Kenneth, we've both got Gary Kenneth. Um, I was I was lucky enough to be at Gary Kenneth's uh, Scotland debut um, in, in Stockholm when... Um, See now. When he went <laughs> head-to-head with uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, um, and, and, and it didn't end well for him. <laughs> has, has, there ever been, has there ever been such a drop-off in somebody's career as, as Gary Kenneth. So bear in mind, bear in mind, Dundee United turned down a bid, I think it was two bids for Blackpool, one was something like 50 grand, and then the suggestion was they'd bid about half a million. They turned that down because they'd valued him at two million. And then within two years, he was playing for Carnoustie Panmure. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember him playing in Latvia for a spell. How does this happen? But yeah, and, and there was actually a nice um, on view for the terrace, there was a nice kind of thing about him last season because he still he was still kicking about for a walk here I think in the he's still only he's still only 33 I mean it, it, it felt like forever ago that he was playing in that game in, in Sweden but he's still I mean he's still at an age where you would expect a centre-half to be playing for I don't know some jobbers in League 2 yeah. but he's been I mean he's been I don't, I don't mean out the game but he's, he's obviously been out the, the professional game for so long now I think the thing for him was at the time that he got called up, you kind of thought, Do you know what, he's probably earned that because he just won the Scottish Cup with Dundee United. He was a big physical imposing centre half. He 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 wasn't he was never great. Like he was one of these kind of bomb scale centre halves, but he he had enough about him for you to think, Do you know what? He might he might offer something here. Like he he, he was very unlucky in the game that he put in. First of all that he was playing directly against Ibrahimovic, but also the fact that um the back four he was playing in was, was not strong. Um, I think Kirk Broadfoot was playing right back. Um, Christoph Berra, I think, was his partner in the yeah, centre defence. And Lee Wallace was the, the left back. And then, more so than that, James McFadden was playing wide left and offered absolutely no protection. Because um, I, I don't know why anyone ever thought James McFadden was good wide left. Cause I, I, I could almost have put him in this team on the left-hand side because he was so bad every time he ever played there. I guess and, anyone and Charlie Adam was playing. And Charlie Adam was playing much protection. 
who I, I also actually considered the team, but then did my head in. Um, so, so it wasn't maybe the, the team that offered him a lot of protection, and he's up against you know a, one of the most kind of talented forwards of his generation. But he was just so bad in that game, and 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 the fun thing was he then went on to get another cap. Like you, you watched that and you went, you know what? Let, let's get some more of this guy. So he did actually get a second cap, um, which which I thought was um, was breathtaking. But that was the game where he partnered uh, Stephen Caldwell and he sent the three uh, 0 win over the Feroes. That's correct. So a clean sheet for that pairing. So so more of the same, please. And um, we'll, we'll we'll go back to them. If I talk about Caldwell since we just brought him up. The thing that sets off alarm bells for me is that Stephen Caldwell had a 10-year Scotland career where he got 12 caps. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like he's the last resort. Yeah, he managed to play under Craig Brown, Bertie Votes, Walter Smith, Craig Burley and, sorry, Craig Burley, uh, George Burley and Craig Levine, which is incredible for, for a guy who only got 12 caps. The 4-0 Norway we obviously talked about such a proud moment for the Caldwell family. I can imagine the mum and dad kind of sitting in the stands in Oslo, proud as punch with their, their two boys uh, lining up centre half for Scotland. Inside the first half, Gary. Sorry. Catastrophic that day. It was. It was dreadful. And the, inside the first half, Gary gets himself sent off and John Arnorisa battles in a free kick to, to put them 1-0 up. Then, after that, um, Bobby takes off Stephen. Now, I can all imagine you're the only centre half left or, or I think maybe we had another one, kind of someone was filling in. So you take him off. Such has been the poorness, obviously, of his performance that his brother's been sent off. You're left with one centre-half on the park. And you take him off for James McFadden because um, <laughs> you're like, do you know what? I might as well not have him. And and it just summed up Stephen Caldwell for me. And the, and the thing that was strange for me is they then went on to get two more caps after that again. It's like, <laughs> how bad do you have to be before we go, right, enough is enough? <laughs> Um, so, so yeah. Thankfully, um, thankfully, just twice more. Twice more, but uh, um, obviously, his brother. He, he had a pretty good club career. Stephen Caldwell, like he never, he never did that badly. But his brother went on to have a much more successful Scotland career. Now, people he had his critics and stuff like that. But, but Gary Caldwell generally did okay for Scotland outside of this game when when he played alongside you know McManus or, or slightly better centre halves. Um, but Stephen Caldwell just just never happened for him in a, in a Scotland jersey. So I went for so I went for Jack Henry. So his his three caps all came in 2018. I would imagine I'll still be able to 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 say that at the end of his career that he is all of his caps came in 2018. There was the the three one defeat to was that a kind of Portugal B team. That was a, a strange game. I'm not entirely sure what was happening there. Uh, then a one 0 defeat to Mexico, and they did play in that one 0 win in Hungary where. Kind of felt like it was a, a decent result. Did Matt Phillips yeah. score that night or something? Yeah, he, he played. He played quite well in that game as well, Hendry. And, and he's one who, again, at the time he got called up, you thought, all right, he's a ball playing centre half. He, he probably fit quite well into this team that we've got now in terms of that side of his game. The move to Celtic, it just, I think, it, it probably came too soon for him because he'd, he'd been doing well at Dundee. He'd, um, he'd previously come through and done well at Partick Fifth, so I think he'd gone down to Wigan where it hadn't quite happened for him. Um, he, yeah, and then Celtic bottom but then he, he kind of went straight into that Celtic team and he looked like it was just a wee level above him and, and there's also that famous clip of him kind of looking like a glitch and, <laughs> and he's like standing in the middle of the park and like doesn't know what to do um, playing out in Belgium now and, and seems to actually be doing alright out there again so I, I don't know he's played, he's, I mean he's played most weeks this season seems to be a, 
they're kind of right. first choice. And, and not in a great team, but so that makes me suspect we might not definitely have heard the end of him. Like if he, if he goes on and, for example, has an okay career in Belgium, you wouldn't be surprised if at some point there will definitely be people asking for him to be called up because playing well in a league outside the UK automatically makes you far better than playing well in a league in the UK in, in a lot of people's eyes. So you can imagine there being many more calls for him to, to get involved again. It w- you wouldn't be surprised if at some point he did because it's centre-half for Scotland. Like You see what we have been calling up recently. And in fairness, at least we've got a few centre-halves now. I mean, that, that's, uh, that's one of the good things in terms of the Scottish national team this year. We went from thinking that we had very few talented centre-halves and actually it turns out we've maybe have a wee bit of depth. Although actually... Uh, most, most of them are defenders. It turned out that what we needed to do was just have fewer centre-halves in a back three. Who, who, who would have known? But I, 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 I don't know. Based on what I've seen of him so far, I think that that that, that whole Celtic time just seems like a, a weird time. That he looked like a million-pound defender, and as you say, as soon as he went to Celtic, he looked like he was miles out his depth. Which is strange when, like at Celtic, you have to do less defending than you have to do at Dundee. How can you look good as a defender at Dundee but look poor as a defender at Celtic? I know you have to do different things and and be that ball-playing defender, but I, it looked like it was something that was alien to him. Maybe just the pressure and all that of, of playing like a better team. Um, left back who have you gone for uh, felt a wee bit guilty about this because again it was somebody that only played uh, one game but I, I thought it was quite funny that we've like we've got umpteen really really good left backs now and then you go back to 2004 and we're coming up Stevie Hamill he he only played one game and I was I remember being really really annoyed at, at this game I was I was quite annoyed and this seems quite bad now because obviously he's passed away but I remember being quite annoyed that Tommy Burns was allowed to take charge for a because I kind of thought he was going to get the Scotland management job and I thought right well if we've been really bad with him being the assistant manager what new ideas is he going to bring to the table like if we're going to give him the job permanently and then we played a friendly I think it was at Easter Road against Sweden and we just got leathered that was 4-1 going on about 8-1 and, and that was the end of the Tommy Burns when it comes to the kind of Scotland career but aye Hamill was called up I appreciate he's a Motherwell legend, played what, 500 games, 500 plus games for Motherwell, but somebody who, uh, again, you need umpteen call-offs before you're, you're calling up Hamill again. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think I, I again, I, I will stop with my idea of, of players who played in competitive games and stuff, and this is probably harsh because I considered Jay McEvely, I considered Danny Fox, Warren Cummings, who I spoke about earlier. I also thought about Craig Forsyth, not because he wasn't very good, but because kind of in hindsight, picking him ahead of Andy Robertson seems uh, seemed wild, even though it maybe made a slight bit of sense at the time the player I went for and it's a wee bit again a wee bit harsh on him in the sense that he was asked to do something um, that he probably shouldn't have been but it's uh, Graham Shinney okay um, aye, that's fair enough specifically for that game out in Kazakhstan obviously which I think potentially was the worst individual Scotland performance I've ever seen um, just awful and you can say well it was it was definitely a mistake in McLeish's part to have to be in the position where Scotland have all these good left backs and okay Andy Robertson was getting his teeth done or whatever it was Kieran Tierney was injured he still had other actual left backs who had been playing left back for their club non-stop who could have been called up someone like Greg Taylor who had been playing regularly for Kelly at that point or whatever who went on to do okay for Scotland I suspect we would not have um, been leathered the way we were with someone like that playing but Graham Shinney had played left-back in his career. It's not like it was an alien concept to him, but he, he very much looked like he was a centre-forward who'd suddenly been asked to go and play at left-back. Um, he played the boy on side kind of by miles for the, the first goal, and then he was just, just so out of his depth. 
And I think that's the, he's had six caps. That's the only one he's had at left back because the other ones he's mainly came on in, in um, central midfield. But he's kind of he can be a kind of aggressive and combative midfielder. But he's he's probably a, a few steps below what we need anyway. But I just thought that that one individual game is enough for me to say Graham Shinney left back. That uh, that that game in in general. So I, I would it was like an afternoon kickoff or something. Yeah, it was like, so, I took the day off work. <laughs> What a waste of a day's holiday! Exactly. I was uh, I, no, I was just like refreshing the, the 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 kind of BBC update page, and let the score come through one 0 I was like, hey, that's not so good. Oh well, all to do now, but surely we'll come back two 0 And I was just getting angrier and angry. And then like you've like, I've got people in my work coming up to speak to me and, and asking me stuff and ask me. I eventually had to remove myself. <laughs> I, like, I need to go. I had to go like go and sit in the canteen just because I, I couldn't bear people talking to me. Of this, Scotland's were getting absolutely rattled. Uh, aye, infuriating. As bad as it gets. Yeah, and so I thought I've, I've got I've got to have someone from that game, and he was very much the scapegoat in my eyes for that game. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to the the midfield four. Um, so we'll just go right to left again, and we'll start on the right hand side of midfield. Uh, I went for I went for a player that got two caps. Uh, I went for Ross Wallace, who got two caps. He got a he, got, uh, he played against Japan, 2-0 defeat in 2009, and the, one, of those, one of those many defeats that we suffered to Wales over a, a certain period of time. So they played in that 3-0 defeat. Down, I think we're 3-0 down after 35 minutes. That, that was, that was uh, Bowley's last game, I think. His last game, I think. Uh, I remember Ramsey being brilliant that day. Uh, I, that said, I, I did wonder if I made a poor decision when I, I found the highlights of Japan, Scotland on YouTube. And it was Pat Nevin and somebody else were discussing the, how everybody had performed. And I goes, oh, here we go. Here's the highlights. Uh, Ross Wallace's uh, debut. And literally all the chat was, there was only one player in that team tonight that can hold his head, <laughs> hold his head high. And it's Ross Wallace. That's <laughs> 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 right. Well, maybe, maybe I've made a fatal error here. Uh, but the, like, the, the thing I remember about Wallace was, and I, unless I'm getting mixed up, I'm sure when he broke into the Celtic team, he had one trick and it was to kick the ball past somebody and then just run past them. But that only that only lasted them for about a month. And then everybody realised that's what it was going to do. So, so suddenly that just didn't work anymore. Yeah. And he didn't look anywhere near good enough for, for Celtic. And to be fair, he went on and had went on and had a pretty good career. I mean, I, I, I don't know, for, for me the highlight was, I can't remember if he was at Burnley or Sheffield Wednesday at the time and when it, like he was playing against somebody who were passing notes about. And remember, he snatched the note off him and then started yes, reading it? Yes, yeah, exactly. I, I'm sure from a personal point of view, he had other uh, highlights, but, but that was the thing I, I remember him for. But, but aye, a, a player who was, he was, he was never kind of international level. Yeah, I think he's, he's one of those classic, like, good English championship players who people just assume, oh, he's doing well in that league, he must have the ability. But just because you can do well in a league doesn't mean you have any actual qualities. He was a hard-working player and all that. Well, and, and I mean, as you say, so... I, I always think a really good example of that is like Barry Bannon. So I watch Barry Bannon in the championship. I don't watch that much championship football, admittedly. But I see Barry Bannon and he looks, or he did look, like as if he's probably too good for that level. Like he really sticks out. But the vast majority of the time that he played for Scotland, they games reasonably passed him by. And, and Ross Wallace was never near as good as Bannon. No. Bannon's got like nearly 40 caps or something for Scotland. He played a lot, or it's like at least 30 anyway, or some, something in that region. He's played plenty of games, and yeah, you're, you're right. I went, um, again, this is it's a bit harsh because it's a player that I really like, but I am struggling to think of 
any contribution he's ever made um, for Scotland. And this is a player I was talking about who we've actually won, or at least won on penalties in each of the last eight games he's played in, and it's uh, Callum Patterson. Aye, aye. He, uh, he came into my consideration as well. I, I I know there's a lot of people on the podcast who have got a lot of time for him. <laughs> I think he's push. I, I like him. Like I think I think like he's, yeah. he's. I like him. He looks like he's a good egg. I would imagine. I'd I'd, I'd imagine to be good company. I think I'd probably have a good night out with him. But I hope we never pick him for Scotland ever again. So, yeah, he's got 17 caps for Scotland. Um, he played right back. He's played central midfield and he's played the uh, centre forward, um, famously and. Um, and San Marino, he started that game and went off injured then to be replaced by Mark McNulty, who's another name who could have featured later on, I think. Yes, those games, those eight games, we've won. One of those games was the game against uh, Israel at Hampden, where he played right back and um, was just absolutely... I'm sure. I'm sure when he started that game, if I remember correctly, was did he not do something wrong in the first 30 seconds? Yes. I was like, oh dear. And, and he, he continued on where he left off as well. And that, that night, um, it, it was awful. And then most of those other games, he's came on as a sub when we've already been winning and we've just got worse. Like like when when he came on in um, in Serbia, like I don't think he did a single thing in that game. And and as I say, he's a player I like in the sense that he's a big physical guy, and you can understand why he's in a squad because for me, if you're ten minutes to go and you're chasing a goal, well, why not bring on this absolutely enormous guy? But actually, what usually happens is he just like clatters into a goalkeeper and gives away a foul. Um, so. As I say, I feel a bit harsh on him because I, I do like him, but I was looking looking at kind of trying to get a mix of eras on him and I thought Callum Patterson's a kind of perfect player um, for that role. So, we, so we, uh, when we when we watched the game, because we're doing a view for the terrace, that, that section on the Thursday night, we watched the game together and when those substitutions were made, because I think we could have made more substitutions in extra time, couldn't we? Made yes. more than three subs. And when those subs came on, I said at the time, kind of jokily, if Serbia equalise, we'll need to take Callum Patterson off because that's no good. Like, that's okay if you're maybe trying to hold on to a lead. But if you're suddenly trying to win a game again, you'll need to take him back off. Yeah. I was kind of meaning it jokily. And then when they equalise, I was like, right, no, seriously, you, know, yeah. you do need to, to take him right back off again because he's no good. Yeah. No, he, he doesn't. Yeah, he offers, he offers, he's very limited in that respect. Okay, we'll move on to um, central midfield. Who, who have you got? I went for Gareth Williams. Yeah, okay. So Gareth Williams was somebody who was supposed to be one of the next big things when he was at Nottingham Forest. I think he won Player of the Year in 2002. Bertie Votes brought him through. I think he went to... Uh, I think he won a lot of his caps when, when that Far East tour. Yeah. But it, it just, it just didn't do anything. But the, the, the thing that was most confusing when I was reading about him was that... Because uh, I was struggling to find out too much information about him. And... I mean, he, I appreciate he got injuries later on in his career, but that was about 2007. So it wasn't injuries that prevented him having any more Scotland Cups. It was very much the fact that he fell away career-wise. I think he went to Watford and Leicester after Nottingham Forest and then and he just kind of disappeared. But the article that I was reading about him suggested that he'd... It was like, kind of, where are they now? But the bottom of the article suggested that he'd married Natalie Portman. So, <laughs> so I then spent two minutes trying to find... I was like, that can't be right. Uh, and, and no, it was just rubbish. It was the fact that it was uh, an interview with him where he said Natalie Portman was his dream woman. Uh, so he, right. he hadn't actually married her at all. But I, I, is, that, is that a verbally binding contract? Is that, does that automatically marry you onto them? Is that how it works now? It was, it was, it was poorly worded and, and probably, probably, probably poorly read uh, from me. But I, another, another bar, Better Votes player that was, and, and to be fair, there was, there was merit to calling him up because at the time he was, he was considered a, a decent player. But another I, I one. Remember, that, 
Um, he was that um, Rainer Bonhoff had a fairly good under twenty one team mm-hmm. at that yeah. time, and um, and he was a, a big part of that if I remember correctly. Um, so, so yeah, you can completely understand him being picked, but yeah, he was one who I think if you think of his Scotland career, just not, nothing happened as you said. Who have you got? Uh, so I have. Uh, we'll go first with Ian Black. Yes, considered him. Um, only on the basis that again I said not not any one cap players, but he is a one cap player, and it was more the fact that he was very very much picked out of spite. Like it, uh, it was, felt like that. It was very much Craig Levine proving a point, and again it, it, it boded very poorly. I think for for where things were going under Levine, in the sense that Ian, Ian Black. I think he'd been called up for a Scotland squad before previously um, because he'd actually had a pretty good season with Hearts um, the season before he left. So they really won the Scottish Cup. He ended up missing the Cup final, I think. Um, but pre- prior to that, and maybe I'm wrong, or maybe he played in the Cup final. Um, I think I mixed him up with Templeton who missed the Cup final. He pl- I think he played in the Cup final, but he'd had a pretty good season. But then he obviously left to go and play for Rangers in Division 3. At that point, I think... It's reasonable to say, well, Ian Black doesn't have much of an international future anyway. He, he's very much been called up as a kind of well-done pat in the head. You have to show players that if they do well at club level, there's a pathway open for them and all that. I understand all that, but it's not like it's a guy who Scotland are reliant on. Like I can understand when Lee Wallace got called up in the low leagues because he was a good left-back. We needed him at the time, fair enough. Ian Black was never going to have a Scotland career of any mean, meaningful note. He's going to be spending the next three years playing lower league football. You're not going to learn anything about him. He's not going to challenge himself. So why did why did they think it was the right thing to do to bring him on? I thought it just kind of sent out a bad message. What about the what about the booze? Was that was that more at Levine or? Yeah, I think it, I think it was a mix. Obviously, the game was Easter Road, so there'd be a lot of Hibs fans in the crowd, um, or some Hibs fans in the crowd. Plus, yeah, I think it was for that reason. And there would have been people booing because he was a Rangers player at the time. We are. It was a max, wasn't it? It made sense. It, yeah. so it wasn't there, just Levine, it was... there, there very much as an element of the the Scotland support who who don't like Rangers um, and don't like Rangers players and vice versa. Are, yeah, and vice versa, and and probably the same will be true of Celtic. To be to be fair, but most of the Celtic players have been called up recently have been good players, so they're going to get a bit more time. But when you start calling up Tripe, like Ian Black, of course he's going to get a bit of a bad reception. You don't see Ryan Jack getting a bad reception from Scotland fans because he's quite good. Um, Alan McGregor never got a hard time because, again, he, he was a very good goalkeeper. Um, so it, there was a mix of that, and I think it would be wrong for people to say, oh, there's no problem with Rangers players and stuff. Rangers players have had a harder time than others, I think, in the past. I think that would be reasonable to say. But Ian Black, it was kind of deserved. Um, I was at the game, I didn't boo him, but I was at the game and it just felt very much... It was a feel-good game up until then. We've been play, we played pretty well. It was against Australia, who were an okay team. I think Jordan Rhodes had scored in that game. Um, we had played really well. We were winning, um, I think we won 3-1. And it just felt like it really lowered the tone of the whole thing. It took the talking point instead of being Scotland putting in a good performance against. I think they, I think they were they were, they were about to be Asian champions. It was instead um, that. It just, it just didn't feel right. Um, and the other one I have picked alongside Ian Black is uh, Kevin McDonald. Yes, I've went for Kevin McDonald also. That's my that's my second. One of the the perfect example and the guy I've got on the left hand side is the same. Is this just because you've done well in England and even got promoted to the Premier League and even played a few games in that league does not make you a good player? And Kevin McDonald has to me absolutely no redeeming features as a footballer. 
he's a big guy and that is very much it. Um, I think he got, I've checked my notes here, sorry. I think, yeah, five caps. Uh, we had four defeats in those five caps. He started, his only competitive game was he started out in Israel. In the, I know we've played in Israel about a million times, but it was the, the, the most shambolic of the lot, which was the 2-1 defeat under Alex McLeish when um, John Stewart got sent off in the first half. We were actually 1-0 up. Um, or, or maybe just after half time, I can't remember. But we were one nil up. We ended up losing two one, and I think it was the single poorest collective Scotland performance I've seen in the last decade or so. because it was two one going on five one. Yes. Um, the the and, thing about McDonald is he's a so as far as I'm aware, he's, he's a defensive midfielder, but he's constantly he's constantly the wrong side the wrong side of the attack. So every time I seem to see Kevin McDonald, he's he's chasing a forward, but he's five yards behind them, and by the time by the time the opponent has a shot at goal, he's 15 yards behind them because he's so slow. And, and as you say, no redeeming features whatsoever. Uh, it seems to be one of maybe two Fulham players that, like Tom Kearney as well, yeah. is another that, oh, he's a really good player and then he comes to play for us and I'm like, well, I don't really, see what, don't really see what the fuss is. But I, McDonald was, it, it just looked slow and ponderous. Not a particularly good range of, range of, uh, range of passing. And for somebody that was supposed to protect the defence, he just he, he, he just didn't ever. Yeah, and and I think he, he, I think all these caps came under Alex McLeish in that second spell, and I think you can talk about the kind of midfield being a shambles in that period, and there was never a defence was never protected. He's a part of that. He's not very much not the only reason for that. I'm sure maybe, maybe under a better manager, he would have had more of a chance. Maybe in the Walter Smith team that was very rigid and stuff, you might have seen him, you know, do okay, but. Just a player who I really disliked seeing anywhere near the team. I was it, it gave me the fear to see his name. I think he's been frozen out by Fulham now. I think they've probably found him out at this level as well. And yeah, so so that was him. So very good. We've got a little bit of agreement now. Wide left is actually another one I found a wee bit tricky. Wide uh, wide left. I just filled in. I just filled in right away as soon as I knew we were doing this, and uh, it's totally undeserved. But I just don't like him. I went from Barry McKay. <laughs> <laughs> on your Wraith Rovers basis um, I, I never I, I, Barry McKay in my head doesn't count as playing for Scotland because he played in one of the few Scotland games I didn't see which was 3-0 um, um, defeat in France the, yeah the France the, those friendlies um, I was living in Australia at the time and we were away for the weekend and even sometimes when we were away if there was a big Scotland game on I'd be like it's the middle of the night I would just sit up and watch it but I wasn't sitting up to watch a, a friendly against France um, when, when I was you know had a, had a good night out. I'm not going to want to spoil it by doing that. Um, so as I say, it doesn't count as a Scotland player in my head because I, I didn't see the game. So um, well, that's good. I think he barely counts as a Scotland player in my head. Either, and he's now he's now kicking about. I think he's at Fleetwood or something Fleetwood. like that. He's really had a bit of a, <clears throat> a fall from grace because I think there was a wee spell when he, um, he left Rangers and he, he went to it was Swansea, wasn't it? And um, there was. Uh, I mean, it was. I was starting to think that maybe I would. I, I was completely wrong. So, so, so my opinion of Barry McKay is. Skillful, he's a good player, uh, quick, he can go around a guy, he can get the ball into the box, but he's quite a selfish player. Like, I don't know if he's that interested in a, a kind of team ethic. I don't think he works particularly hard. Uh, but when he joined Swansea, I think uh, I think Swansea had a game on, and they were, in the build-up to the game, they were, they were showing you Barry McKay's stats, and there was a number of them that at that point he was the best in the championship at it so like it was I don't know assists or creating goal scoring chances or dribbling there was two or three that, and I was like well you know something maybe I'm wrong about him maybe he does have a, a big future and almost since then he's just kind of collapsed and as you say he's, he's no a first pick every week for for, for Fleetwood and, and 
certainly, certainly at Wraith, he, you can tell he was just he just wasn't interested. And I get that. You play for Rangers. You're on a big. You're playing a big contract. You know you're you're going to be you're, you're regarded as a decent Rangers player. Why are you going to be that interested if, if you're going on a loan deal at Wraith? But he just didn't really try his leg. But I totally appreciate that. I'm just being biased when it comes to this. He, he played. He was a youth player at Kelly, I think, and he got released to some injury problems and stuff. And I think a lot of Kelly fans were obviously subsequently going over that. That was a mistake. But actually, the best of his football was in the Championship with Rangers. Like he, he played okay in the Premiership, so he never really proved himself at any level um, either. Uh, the player that I went for here is just another player. Who, again, probably it's unfair on him. Matt Phillips. I really, I really dislike Matt Phillips as a player. Like he just, he just. Those those two players are very similar, which is Matt Phillips and Ollie Burke. They're fast, they're strong, but they have no footballing ability whatsoever. And both of them fall into very much that same category as me. And the reason I picked him over Burke is that Burke scored the winner against Cyprus, whereas um, Phillips' only goal was in a friendly. Um, I realised again there have probably been there have been much worse players. Um, Chris Collins was one I considered actually. I really disliked his attitude when he played for Scotland, but again he contributed things sometimes. Remember, uh, uh, remember when Collins said that he didn't know how to play for Scotland anymore because he he wanted to spend more time with his family, and then within days there was a picture of him uh, on a jet or in a, a lads' holiday at Vegas or something. Yes, that that was uh, that was pretty much why I, I disliked Collins. But I thought, you know what, he, he did do some things when he played. Phillips has um, 16 caps for Scotland. He's played centre-forward, he's played wide-right, he's played wide-left. I'm yet to see much from him. I think he had a, a decent wee spell at the end of Strachan's reign when um, we, we seemed to be kind of unbeatable. Um, but he, he never, even then, he was probably... He wasn't exactly the main part of us doing well at that point. So I just... Again, it's probably quite harsh on him, but I just thought... I don't like. I hope we don't ever see him play for Scotland again. Uh, I just, I just don't like him as a player. He's just remember, technically uh, not good I, at all. I remember somebody, and I, I appreciate that, that this is a, a poor comparison in terms of player, but I remember somebody described Mark Stewart. I think when he was at Falkirk, and he said he's like a, an out of control speedboat. And the, the two players you've just described are, are exactly like that. Yeah. Quick as anything, but like no idea what they're doing with or where they're going. No, and, and they're both they're both carved out a very good. Living out of it as well at a club level, um, it's almost like the managers just get it's someone. The, the manager needs someone they can chuck on. Like I watched Ollie Burke start in a Premier League game, literally two weeks ago, <laughs> and he's only twenty four. He might, he might still have. He might go on and Ollie Burke might go on and get about fifty caps for Scotland. You never know. Surely no. Um, <laughs> so that pushes us on to centre forward, and, and there was kind of stiff competition here. Um, I, I changed this multiple times. I think I've had, I think I've had maybe five different players here. A couple I disregarded because I quite like them. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I should have disregarded them, but but I did. Yeah, well, I've kind of did. I disregarded Chris Elmo because he comes across really well on um, on the podcast with Craig Cairns and and he he only got a couple of caps, and and I think it's unfair to judge someone on a miss when you know even that same player nine times out of ten scores. It's just bad luck. Yeah. You could have picked him, of course. I thought about Kevin Kyle, but he, he played well for Kelly when he was with us, so I, I ruled him out. Um, okay, well, that, obviously I don't support Kilmarnock, so Kevin Kyle did make my uh, did make my so, final eleven. So one of the players I picked was someone who partnered him in what I think must have been the worst Scotland strike pairing ever in the Faroe Islands, which was uh, Scott Doby. Yes, I. But I tell you, I I initially had him written down, and the only reason I didn't go for him was because I hadn't realised how. How kind of decent a club career he'd had. I mean, he'd, he'd, there was a few teams in England that he'd, 
he scored a lot of goals for at a reasonable level. And I so I'd initially I actually just wrote Kevin Kyle and uh, and Dobby down without actually researching Dobby. And then when I looked at it, I was like, actually, he's, he's had a decent old career. He's maybe not quite as bad as I thought he was. So, so I discounted him, but I, 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 I kept his partner in from that day. <laughs> um, it was just that, that, that Pharaohs game. It just like A lot of the time, Scotland can lose or drop points against a worse team, but we look better than them. But, but Kevin Kyle and Scott Dobie wouldn't have looked out of place playing up front for the Pharaohs, like the, their striker was better. I think that boy scored twice. He was a he was a postman or something. And uh, we a maths a maths teacher maybe. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, sorry, I knew that there, it was it was definitely some very um and, and the Pharaohs have got a wee bit He wasn't a professional striker, put it no. Well the Pharaohs have got a wee bit better since then and do have some professional players and, and it probably would be a um you know um it will be a tricky opposition for us kind of this time around. But like we should still beat them. But you know what I mean? At that point, they, they were very much not that. Um, and we were seemed to be the only team they could ever take points against. Um, and in that game, we just kind of summed it all up. And Dobie, was, Dobie and Kyle um, started that. And, and it felt very much again like, and, and I, I appreciate we had a, a dearth of options somewhat at the time, but it felt like he was just called up because he was doing all right in, for West Brom. And I think he'd, he'd got, they got promoted from the second tier. Um, and Kyle was the same. Did that, did that- like he had a decent career away from yeah. like no he did he did of, of the two I mean of of the two I thought he was probably the one that maybe would make it and I had again I had kind of high hopes for Kyle when he first came through but only be, probably because he was he was with Sunderland so I thought right so Sunderland's a decent team he's on their books I I initially thought until I had a double check for this I actually thought that Kyle's first goal in a Sunderland shirt was an own goal but actually his first goal for Sunderland was against Arsenal. And then his second goal for Sunderland was an own goal. I remember watching it. It was a League Cup tie against Mansfield. And he scored an own goal. I thought, this boy's actually a dunderhead. But then he immediately went up the park and scored the winner. I was like, well, maybe, maybe he's not quite a dunderhead. And, and I know, I think I thought, so it might have been McCarthy that was the manager then. I can't quite remember. Now, I think the idea was that he might replace Niall Quinn. Mm. But I mean, he was, he was, he was never, he was never, I, did, I, I was surprised, he got, I hadn't realised he had 10 caps. But he got capped, he got capped like several years later when he was playing for Kelly, he, he came back into the fold, but but he was probably one of the most transformational players I've ever seen in terms of there was a really, really bad Kelly team that he signed for, and I remember his debut, it was the very first game at St Mirren Park, and we'd signed him, and, and I, my memory of him was I'm, I'm being a really pish Scotland striker, and then he played centre forward and I swear he did not lose a header the whole game. Every ball that came into him, he had the most powerful chest. It seemed like balls would get fired at him and he would like lay it off with his chest like 30 yards to the side to people. And I was like, oh, right, okay, this guy's got it. And he, and he kept us up that year and then subsequently he, he was slightly less good the second year around but still did well for us. So only on that basis and the fact that he, um, he nearly killed his uh, child with a, a scooter. That's his pin, pin tweet. <laughs> Um, I've I kept him out but um, the other player I that know, I, uh, I I didn't know that he'd it was only when I looked at his Wikipedia page and so I didn't believe it so then I went and, and looked at it a wee bit more that he played in the, the BDO Darts World Championships no I didn't know that Cause, so apparently apparently he beat the ninth seed in 2016 <laughs> but then it said so, so I'll tell you I'll tell you the first four fifths of this sentence and we'll see what how you think <laughs> the sentence will end so the sentence was he reached the last so, so if, if somebody's reaching the, the last of a tournament, how how many people do you think's left? Right, right. So, 
the only acceptable uses of last, I think, you could also get last 16. Last 32, I would accept, and at a push, last 64. So I'm going to say that it's the last 256. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like he's entered it. <laughs> okay, you probably the, still... the last, The last 256 well, of the BDO Darts World Championships. Uh, the B- the BDO is the, the, the rubbish one that was always on the BBC, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, that's the one. You'd, you'd, watch, you'd watch the kind of proper darts on Sky and then you'd, you'd switch on and there'd be guys like throwing like three treble ones. Um, yeah, yeah, right. I, uh, when I was reading that and I thought they reached the last, I thought 16 or 32 and I was just completely completely unaware of it. But no, last, last 256. Why well, was playing the ninth seed in the round before that? I've no idea. <laughs> and then there's no, there's no further mention of him playing in any other BDO tournaments. So I, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but fair play. Uh, excellent. Um, <laughs> where do we go from there? My <laughs> other striker that I have gone with um, is uh, Ollie McBurney. I, uh, I I considered him. I did consider him, but I didn't go for him. So why, why did you go for him? Um, so so basically, like I I think he will turn it round. I think Ollie McBurney has some qualities as a footballer, and, and I can see him being an okay player for Scotland. I don't think he's got 17 caps, and, sorry, 15 caps and no goals so far, which is not good. And he's very rarely looked like scoring. Um, and when he's had good chances, like they had out in um, Slovakia, at least a couple of good chances, he's, he's really lacked confidence. He's not been doing well at club level either, but he does have some things about him. I think he reads the game okay. I think back to goal, he can be good. He can lay things off. He has some qualities. And so I, I suspect if I did this list again in five years' time, he probably wouldn't be on it. Um, but at the moment, Ollie McBurney, as I said, 15 caps. He's been on the park um, for Scotland for 731 minutes in total. How many goals, Sean, do you think Scotland have scored? Not, not Ollie McBurney. How many goals do you think Scotland have scored in those 731 minutes that he's been on the pitch? Uh, it wouldn't be that many, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, what's that, 10 games? Nine? It is one goal. Unless I'm mistaken, the only goal we've ever scored when Ollie McBurney has been on the pitch was uh, John McGinn's uh, opener against Russia in the um, the qualifier at Hamden when we lost two one. And to be fair, McBurney played some part in that goal because it was a cross came in. I think it was Robertson maybe slung in or someone slung in across from the left, and he it went towards the keeper and he kind of jumped towards the keeper to try and kind of prod the ball. The goalkeeper got to the ball but spilled it and, and it went to John McGinn who tapped it in. But that's as far as I'm aware and, and I've, I read this elsewhere and thought that can't be right and I've double-checked it myself. One one goal we've scored with him on the pitch. There was there was that wee spell where he kept hitting the bar. Yes. And I was like, right, definitely. He's, he's, this is this is definitely coming. Uh, I, 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 I think what I suspect will happen is if we were to do this list in another five years' time, I think I'd probably pick him because I, I don't know if it is going to come good for him and I don't I disagree with this whole thing that it's all well it's because he's a Rangers fan and, and all that jazz it's because he generally plays poorly for us and there's literally footage of him saying that he, does, that, like, he doesn't really find he finds international duty a chore or something like that. Yeah. I think he said it was shit or something can't remember like that's that's why the Scotland fans don't take to him they can, they can support whoever he wants certainly that's why I don't take to him because he's generally rubbish for us and he suggested that he doesn't really want to play for us and, and we I appreciate I appreciate the last kind of say six months ago, the six months or so, there's a suggestion that he actually is getting a bit of a buzz at it. 
we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I, I have my doubts that he's going to turn that around. Yeah, I think the, the, the moment for me, I thought that game against uh, Slovakia at Hampton, was it? Um, when, when him and Robertson and Callum McGregor, I think it were, were like holding, holding the ball up in the yeah. corner for about 10 minutes was about, <laughs> about the most entertaining thing I've ever seen from a Scotland team. And I thought, right, this is the moment for him. He's, he's done something quite, he's made a big contribution. Okay, it's a, a silly contribution, but it's important to win in a game. He's going to kind of take it on from there. But then he came on in, um, in Belgrade. He, he was awful. Fair, fair play, scored a good penalty. Um, but he just, it's just, and then he had that performance out in Slovakia, and you just think, where is this coming from? I really hope he, obviously we have the Pharaohs at home in that playoff, that qualifier in March. Maybe that's a chance for him, surely, to break his duck. But do you think, do, do you think he's no scoring because because there's a a monkey on his back about the fact that he hasn't broken his duck, or is he just no scoring? Any, like, will that make any difference if he manages that, to score that, against Pharaohs? Do you think is that he's going to go on a run? It's a bit of both. I think I think there is a sense of like he probably you, any player who's not scored a goal and it becomes a thing is probably trying too hard. But I think it's also the fact he's he's not a very good goal scorer. Like he doesn't score a lot of goals throughout his career. But he's got he's a better goal scorer than what we've seen for Scotland. Like he does score some goals. And some of the teams he's playing against, um most of the teams he's playing against for Scotland at international football are not as good as the teams he's playing against um with Sheffield United. And his teammates that he's playing with for Scotland are probably better than a lot of the teammates he plays with for Sheffield United. So Everything is pointing to the fact he should be um, scoring some more goals, but we've just not seen it. Who, who do you have partnering uh, Dobie? Eh, sorry, partnering Kyle. My uh, my final figure. I, I did consider Lee Miller. Yeah, did consider Lee Miller because he was. Uh, I, I like Lee Miller, uh, but he was he was never good enough to play for Scotland. I have uh, I've went for a forward who played in one of the same games as Lee Miller in two thousand and eight against Argentina. Yeah. Well, if he was. Maybe a wee bit harsh because he actually scored in 50% of his Scotland appearances. It was David Clarkson. Okay, yeah. Forward who just had a really weird career. Like, I'd, I'd, I'm fairly certain his strike rate from Motherwell was okay. Yeah. And then he had, and like, did he have that spell for Dundee where he scored in about eight or nine games in yeah, a row? It was first, I think his first nine games for Dundee, he scored in all of them. It was something like that. Um, <laughs> but he wasn't very good. No. Like, like, how somebody who isn't very good can have such prolific scoring sprees I'm not entirely sure and, and the goal the goal he did score for Scotland was uh, was one of the best best kind of technically good goals I can remember it was in the Czech, in the Czech Republic we lost I, was, did, I don't know did we have did we just have like loads of call-offs that day because we had a really kind of understrength team I, in 3-1 but played okay I think I remember we um, Ross McCormick had had an excellent season for Mullerow and he got called up to the squad and then we had a few call-offs and Clarkson came in who was also at Motherwell and had had an okay but less good season than McCormick and then I'm sure we um, brought a sub on near the end that was Clarkson and not McCormick and then um, Clarkson did obviously then um, and I wonder obviously McCormick's attitude has been called into question later on and maybe it was partly down to that something he did but Clarkson came on and scored that goal one of the things I remember from David Clarkson I was at a game it was a qualifier it was a qualifying under George Bully that we won quite comfortably which doesn't sound like something that happened did we have a crap team in our group did we have like San Marino or Pharaohs or I can't remember anyway I was at, I was at a game but I'm sure we won like we were like 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go anyway and then it came into towards stoppage time and Clarkson was all stripped and ready to come on and then the referee blew the final whistle and I just remember him turning around in his face he was absolutely gutted um, to, to not get another cap for Scotland um, I'm sure that was Clarkson but uh, yeah, he, he wasn't a very good player in, in that game against Argentina Lee Miller, Chris Owello and David Clarkson all featured in um, against Argentina 
And okay, I, I appreciate Lionel Messi. Was, Lionel Messi wasn't playing, but I still think um, the quality of, of of forward in the Argentina side was perhaps slightly higher. Yes, yes, very much so. Th- those are those are two teams that are jam packed with shit. Yes, yes, we've actually not in much agreement, which I think says a lot about. Um, I think Gary Kenneth and Gary, uh, Kevin McDonald, the only ones we both have. You, uh, you are very much stricter when it comes to uh, one cap. Wonders, so so fair play. You you had more rules than me, I think. Yeah, I I just wanted yeah I wanted um it's easy to say oh that guy shouldn't ever have played for Scotland. He got capped for ten minutes and fucked off, but which is more fun actually, which as you as you've demonstrated. But um I, I thought I'll try and cover these guys who you thought like how have they kept getting picked? Um so man, we didn't ask for this, but manager, who would you pick? Oh, uh, uh, Alex. Mc- Alex McLeish's second second tenure. Yes, I think I think that's that's probably right. I'm sure I'm sure um, we we did a ranking. I think it was me and Graham and Tom. Maybe did a ranking of managers, um, Scotland managers, and that was in the midst of that. And now you would definitely put that. I think Smith and McLeish the first time, and Clark now are probably the only good ones in that period. Aye, and there's been a few times where we've appointed a manager, and I've thought to myself. That's a, like, I'm really chuffed with that. Like when we appointed George Burley, I thought it was a, a pretty good move, for example. Uh, and it's no doubt that McLeish was like, right, that that feels like it's a really bad decision, and it's been absolutely, absolutely yeah. blown out. Like, like anybody could see that was going to be a bad decision. Yes, and and, and it, it went incredibly badly. I think that's the the worst collectively Scotland been worse than when we were under votes when we had some bad days. All right, so thanks very much for uh, for joining me on this, Sean. Um, I think you and I are going to record a Patreon, which will come out on, on Friday or at some point to sum up the League Cup games. Um, yes, that's yes, certainly that's my right. understanding of it, which um, obviously I'll take on more interest now after what happened last night, um, <laughs> which is, uh, will be a good laugh to record. But that will come out, I think, tomorrow because we, we've not got time to record it today. Um, so thanks for joining me. For those of you listening who want to um, follow us, get on patreon.com um, forward slash Terrace Podcast for all that uh, red hot content. There is almost too much content to keep up with going out on the Patreon. Um, I, I go out with locks at night and it's mainly just so I can catch up with it. Um, so <laughs> there's a lot going out there. Um, and yeah, get in touch with um, your suggestions that we've, the, the players who we have grievously overlooked for this worst Scotland 11. I think there, there are several. Um, but uh, to be fair, we've, we've covered a lot of muck. We, we certainly have, but I'm sure people have their own personal um, vendettas, just like you and I have had against certain <laughs> players on here. All right, th- thanks very much, Sean. Yes. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.